0: Millwall is the number one Millwall podcast. Accept no substitute. Well, hello, dear listeners. Um, you know me. Always trying something new and different. I don't know if you're going to like this idea, if you love it or loathe it. Do tell me, but I thought I'd try something a little bit different for a change. It occurred to me that... We all, when we go to football, have our different journeys <clears throat> sometimes, especially when you're young, when you first start going to watch football, Millwall, in our cases, the journey becomes semi-iconic. It's part of the day, it's part of the whole, um, the whole deal of uh, you know actually uh, visiting the match. So it occurred to me that you might like to hear a particularly iconic walk uh, My walk, they say that. You can't be particularly iconic, can you? You're you're right, you're not. Um, So here I am, stood standing outside New Cross Station. Um, Why New Cross? Well, my family, originally, were Bermondsey. My mum's from Kennington. Dad's side from Bermondsey-Camberwell. And I was born and brought up for the first few years of my life, at least, in Bermondsey, Suffolk Park Road, then the Grange, just off of junction of Suffolk Park Road, I think it is, <clears throat> Towerbridge Road. And we moved after, well, remember the blocks of flats, so live lived council flats. We were lucky to get a council house. My dad always told me the story of uh, former mill director Bob Mellish, who was a local MP, very well respected old school Labour MP. Um, having uh, Taking a hand, I don't know what kind of hand he took, whether uh, Bob took a drink or something, I don't know. Um, but anyway, we moved from a private rented flat, which I was actually alongside the uh, Stanley Arms, just on Suffolk Park there, uh, apparently it fell down after we moved out. I, I do remember the um, the house. It was on the patch of grass that's at the side of the sub, uh, Stanley Arms. There now just a patch of grass because the place fell down. I, my only memories I was must have been six months to a year. So the very first memory I have was sitting on my dad's uh, lap, looking out the window at what is now a minicab office opposite, and uh, once then was a shop. And I remember looking at that and my dad talking about a kid walking past. I always remember a, the word kid. It stuck in my mind as a baby, and I don't know why it stuck in my mind. Um, outside toilet, falling down. We got rehoused into the Grange, St. Vincent's House, in case you're wondering, any listeners. 66 St. Vincent's House we moved to on the Grange. And we were there for about three or four years when mum and dad had the idea that um, we should move to more rural. Districts of Mottingham, <clears throat> South East London (SE9) Mottingham (SE9), and we moved out to Beaconsfield Road on the on the count, Mottingham Council estate. Which was, um, in retrospect, I can see why they would want to move. Um, the area around here now is certainly uh, improved on (laughs) it has improved I know many will will maybe laugh at me when I say this but um, I just parked the car up to walk around to the station here and it's a lot greener and a lot leafier at this part of New Cross and and Bermondsey itself which had Suffolk Park but um, it was then quite an old school industrial area there were still factories the Hartley Jam the the docks were still going This we're talking about 1960 when I was born 1961-ish so it was an area that was um, you know Industrialised, and there was smog pollution. Mum had the, um, the desire to move us away to what they perceived to be greener fields, and it was greener fields out there in suburbia. We were on the edge of Elmstead Woods. We were brought up with uh, you know a school that had playing fields, and we expected it was like normal to go into the woods to go play and Foxes Field to go play football, stuff like that. So. Yeah, um, they they, they actually achieved their their dream. It was a a mutual exchange. We moved from St Vincent's house out to Beaconsfield Road. And um, why am I a Millwall fan is probably the reason. Why am I prattling on about this this journey? Um, The reason I'm a Millwall fan is I was a football fan. As a youngster, I used to love watching football on the telly. Big teams of the time were Manchester United. I probably would have called myself um, interested in the doings of Manchester United because they won the European Cup in '67. I remember that very well. They had glamour players like George Best, who was um, a personal um, idol. And <clears throat> one of my mates at school. We're about football like you do when you're in, in class. And he said he was going to go, his mates went to Millwall. Uh, Did I want to go to Millwall? This would be about the age of 10, I suppose. Castlecombe School. Top class, whatever it is. I have year numbers now. I can't remember what year the class number was. But anyway, did I want to go to Millwall? Said Yarksy, my old mate Yarksy. And yes, I did want to go to Millwall, um, aged 10 (laughs) so <laughs> that's where we what we did. We um, one Saturday, March 22nd, 1972, to be precise, because I've looked it up since. Millwall played Portsmouth at home. We beat Portsmouth one 0 on the day. Goal from Barry Bridges. Um, and a bunch of us trooped up here by train. Yorkshire, a couple of mates from school, me, all aged 10 under. Certainly, we're still at primary school. Um, no adult in tow troops up to Elmstead Wood Station, through the woods, and journeyed into the dark heart of inner London to New Cross, which is where I find myself standing right now. Um, it sounds weird when you repeat all of that back, because the idea of letting your kids troop off to go to football at the age of ten with no one in attendance was um, well, it wasn't wasn't unknown. It wasn't unusual. It was it was um, you know that's what you used to do back then we weren't living in this safety culture that we now wrongly or rightly and i can see the arguments on both sides that we all put our kids under now kids are treated as um, you know very precious and then we wouldn't let them out of our sight rightly wrongly rightly wrongly Achtung. so anyway we got the uh, train the overground train to new cross and here we are. So I thought what we'd do, that little soliloquy to lead us into it, is to take the journey that you would take to walk from Newcross to the site of Colblow Lane and see what comes to mind as I trudge along. People looking at me like I'm mad, by the way, but I don't care. When Since when has that stopped me doing anything, dear listeners? Just one thought before I imagine walking along Amersham—I think it's called Amersham Vale—at the side of of the station. Um, The—I am old enough to remember an older version of this station, I'm sure, and um, maybe listeners out there can correct me, but I'm sure that the station used to have like a higher exit up onto New Cross Road, because I'm sure that's where I came out of the first time we rolled into into New Cross, and it would come out onto New Cross Road, and you would kind of turn right up there and head towards Clifton Rise. I'm going to go down Amersham Vale, um, but certainly as you walk along the high level, there you go past... um, What was a it, Site The infamous site of the V2 disaster in 1944 when hundreds of people, I think it's 160-odd, got killed in a V2 rocket attack during the course of the war. Um, Thankfully, now there's a plaque on the wall up there. I'm not going to go that way today, but you walk past that um, shopping area now set back from the road. And you go past the venue, <coughs> legendary nightclub of many people's experience, which I won't, I won't touch on here today, but there, there we are. It's there, and there's a big um, gin palace, is it? The New Cross in on the corner of Clifton Rise, and you head down that way. But I'm going to walk down um, Amersham Vale... And head towards the first point of interest, if <laughs> semi-interest, maybe to me, maybe not to you. I don't know. Um, the walk under the railway, one of the many walks under the railways that this journey would take you on once you rolled out of your from your suburban ideal into the dark heart of darkness it's called New Cross, 1972, dear listeners. Achtung, Mehlball so we're just walking down. This is, I think this is called Walpole, yeah, Walpole Road Underpass. It's actually got its own sign now. This is how the world has changed since my younger days. There used to be a constant drain smell. And funny enough, as I'm walking past, there's Thames water contractors digging and working. There is no drain smell, I hasten to add. There always used to be. As you came down to this point, you turned left off of Amersham to walk under the railway bridge that's in front of me. Looks much more... Um, not quite Las Vegas style but it's illuminated down here now in a way that it never used to be but there's a constant drain smell and always a, a, a national front for Britain slogan written on the wall, stenciled on the wall which seemed to be there forever it's gone now uh, dear listeners, you'll be pleased to know that won't you, it's gone what they do have now is a kind of like um, artistic flowery ironwork as you lead down under the railway bridge which takes you under the Well, it was once an underground line. It's now an overground line. It was always one of the things that struck me about coming to New Cross was it was on the end of an underground line, which was um, rather exotic when you lived in south-east London. So we're walking now through the um, the the much-changed railway bridge. It's got kind of um, coloured lights and wrought industrial ironwork on the walls. This is very different... This has almost been made to feel like it might be, if not pleasant, it certainly takes away some of the intimidatory factor that this whole journey used to, um, you know, insert into your life. Even as a Millwall fan, it was an intimidating walk, to say the least. This was very bleak back then, in 1972. I've come out on the other side now, onto, um, what's this called? This is, um, is this Edward Street here? There's a handy map. This is this is how much it's changed. Not only has got a sign identifying the name of the location, it's also got an, an, a map. Um, Edward Street, feeding round onto Sand Sandford Street, I think. Um, anyway, opposite me is Fulham Park. Now Fordham Park was created, dear listeners. For those that know it or don't know it. <laughs> It never used to be here. Um, the first time I came to watch Millwall, uh, 1972, as I say, what we now call Faldon Park, with its... Um, is that called the Moonshot Youth Club over there? It's like a, like a play area, uh, like, uh, you know, football pitches and the boxing club, I say, youth centre. But Faldon Park was once a kind of group of um, terraced... Well, was derelict houses, not long gone from... Um, the, uh, the second World well, in fact here is how about that this is, this is, this is the kind of um, coincidences that you find, and there's a little history of Faldon Park, who knew and got to have a look. this is precisely reinforcing what I was saying, and there's pictures of Clifton Rise with the dew drop in in the distance I was trying to think desperately of the name of the one pub that existed on the, across the, uh, the the expanse of Faldon Park when it was created, that was the dew drop in I don't know if it's still there, we're going to go over there in a moment and, go and have a look at it but this was all terraced houses, semi-derelicts when I came here. Uh, I always remember the uh, chalk sign, gas off. I didn't know what that meant. Why would you put gas off there? And the reason that you put gas off is to stop people from squatting in there. Um, but it was very much... It was a gaunt area. It was a, it was a hard area. Um, the impact of the, um, the Second World War bombing was still very real. And I'm just looking at the map here, and then you can see the streets that once were here. We, we walked along these streets that were kind of deserted, apart from one um, bizarre day where we wanted to get some sweets on one one trip to the Den. and get some sweets, and someone had the idea of popping into a sort cafe that turned out to be a... Uh, kind of like a Turkish Cypriot I don't know what, it was a speakeasy or something (laughs) this bunch of kids walked in wanting sweeties and it was a bit like the western uh, movies where everyone stopped talking to look at us as we walked in it was all all okay, everyone looked at us and it was all dead silent and as kids that's very intimidating too these strange faces looking back at you and um, what I now know to be a flag of uh, Turkey on the wall I guess this would be about 73, 74 5-ish maybe and um Back then, the Turkish invasion of northern Cyprus not long happened, so I guess uh, they might be wary of interlopers in their, in, their, in their place. Anyway, I'm going to walk across the park that was once terraced housing. Now it's... Uh it's quite pleasant. It's like a proper park. There's a bunch of guys chatting in the a little kind of covered area at the side here. Basketball court. Table tennis tables with a metal net in the middle. This is very different, and there's football going on to my left. It's a, an August afternoon, school holiday, so a lot of kids in the park. Double jab a boxing club. That never used to be. It was an area during the 70s when Fordham was first created that almost defined the word bleak. You know, you are talking about tough, hard times. In fact, as I stop in the middle of the park and look to my left, there's Clifton Rise. And the overwhelming image I have of Clifton Rise was the day of the the National Front riot in 77. Battle of Lewisham, I think they call it. Thousands of coppers, thousands of protesters from both sides. Whichever way your political taste leans, I don't know. But uh, the villains and heroes of the day were on whichever side you want to choose to put them on. There was a huge conflict in Lewisham. Same day, strangely, bizarrely, really, as a, a friendly millwork home to Ipswich. That's why I was here. I wasn't here for the far-right versus far-left violence that occurred up on, on Clifton Rises. There's a lot of that on, um, online. You can find images and pictures. It's a very well-documented incident battle of Lewisham. And I came here to watch the football Mill play Ipswich in a pre-season friendly in the same year that later on we would face Ipswich in the FA Cup and on both occasions we got beat 6-1 in the friendly and in the FA Cup. So that was a strange coincidence on a dramatic day in south-east London. We've got kind of like a Red Indian totem pole here just as I'm approaching the corner of Anger Street which be a remnant of one of the old streets that existed in this area prior to... The park being created it's like a Native American totem pole and the one here that looks like it's got faces of people carved on it from various backgrounds. Bienvenue, ciao, all sorts of welcome, welcome to this area. It's much more green and much more friendly. Here's the Dewdrop Inn. Now flats on the corner of Anger Street and this will be Clifton Rise although well, it's now pedestrianised up for the bulk of it. Um this used to exist as what one building in the midst of a load of nothing. Um, what I will say is Fordham Park now looks like a proper park. It's clearly had some investment. There was nothing in the seventies, eighties, on the occasions when I would be coming here. I, I came up from South East London for the most part from uh would it be seventy-two, probably into the into the late 80s, we come up from south-east London from various spots over that time. Mottingham and then when I got married, moved out. And all during that time, Fordham Park was kind of like the end of the world, really. It was bleak, a huge expanse of grass with nothing in it. Um, there's a little quotation, though, on the floor here, which I will read to you. I'm standing opposite what was once the Dewdrop Inn, Angus Street and Clifton Rise. And the quotation is by um alex james from a novel i think it's called a bit of a blur and the quotation that goes an endless game of cricket took place all summer long we went and played some days there was a pub in the park the Dewdrop drop in i've been to the dewey a few times it was the best pub in new cross says alex james uh in a book called a bit of a blur published by abacus it looks like 2007 best pub in new cross what do you reckon dear listeners You tell me. I would never go in there because it always looked a bit iffy. Achtung. Mailball. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. you know, um, mark the area. A lot of it has been rebuilt. There's one or two on the side of the dewdrop here. What was it, the dewdrop? Uh, a lot of council estates built in the post-war era. Got a dirty name now, council housing, isn't it? It's a shame. It's certainly changed our life as I look back. It's a bit like um, the NHS. Education, all the things we take or took for granted... Um, Many flaws and many faults with council housing Um, You don't need me to run over all of the things that were wrong with it I can tell you what was right with it though It was probably the only way that people of a working class background Such as mine, family, maybe your family too, dear listener The only way we really had a realistic chance of getting a halfway decent house Because um, there's no other route Now how you got that big question. Like I say, many floors, many faults, blah di blah di blah And as I look around here, I don't know how much of this is now private. I'd imagine there's probably quite large chunks of the houses are private. But in fact, there's a letter managed by sign on Ludwig Mews. I doubt, doubt that much of that is council housing in the, in the traditional sense. I doubt there's much of it around, because they've all been palmed off to various housing trusts and associations and forms of private landlordism. But whether you like it or not, council housing transformed my life, your life maybe, many people's lives, um, increasingly looks like a thing of the past now, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll go back to your own personal political taste, and I'll leave that up to you to tell me, or not, as you choose. I'm walking along Sanford Street, junction with Chill Road, always a strange name, always used to remember Chill Derek Road because it ended in a C, you don't see many words ending in a C. I'm not sure Derek was, or who he was, or what it might be. And we're walking now along Sanford Street, and I'll come back to you in a moment, when and reach the iconic moment of the whole journey, the junction with Coldblood Lane. Incidentally, whilst i mortgage it just occurs to me the name New Cross. Ever wonder where New Cross comes from? This is where Wikipedia is a fantastic resource. I think it sounds correct. You have to be a little bit wary of Wikipedia. Um, but New Cross apparently relates to a, an old coaching inn called the Golden Cross, which somehow became known as New Cross. There's references from various authors to a meeting at New Cross. And New Cross Gate, apparently. I didn't know there was a toll gate there, but there used to be a toll at New Cross Gate, hence the name of New Cross Toll Gate, I guess. Two stations at one point were both called New Cross, New Cross and New Cross Gate. So I'm sure that could lead to confusion. As I said earlier, both on the underground, though, that was always the most exotic thing from South London, because all of our trains went overground, rather than uh, the London Transport Underground System, which always seemed to be, you know, you're in touch with the glitter and glitz at the West End there, rather than Southern Region, as it was called back in my old days, Southern Region. First great instant... <laughs> Part, part of the reason for this journey is that you, you come across incidental thoughts as you're walking along. And uh, just thinking about Southern Region, Elmstead Woods Station, where I used to come in from, from And um, That was the first one of the first great injustices of my adult life was dealt out to me there when some um, long, long slush, as my mum called him, because we all went up there. I was only about 16 sold me a woman's season ticket for a weekly woman's season ticket. It had a W printed on it. And I didn't know the difference between a season ticket with a W or an M or anything else. Apparently, if it had a W on it, it meant it was a woman's ticket. He sold me it because I think he was pissed when I bought it. I went up there one Sunday afternoon. I just started work. And um, finished up getting into a row at uh, Waterloo East Station. Over whether this, you know, was a, uh, whether I bought this ticket off of somebody in a pub, and um, they got pulled up by a ticket inspector, they called a copper, and it all seemed a very big deal to me at the time. I'm um, quite a law-abiding family, who had the whole embarrassment of a copper coming round to home to take a statement. No further action was pressed in the end because I think they went up and checked and found the exact slurt, long-haired slush of mum's uh, derogatory comment up at Elmstead Woods and confirm certain key elements of my story. So that was my brush with criminality, dear listeners. An right, injustice. Wrongly sold a season ticket with a W printed on it. The bastard. So I think this is called the Woodpecker Estates on my right. I'm just walking along still sandford coming down towards Colblow. Um, this is another thing, um, you know this is this trying to find the right words for this, but it, these places seem to be immensely intimidating as a kid. And I um, suppose we were only 10, 11, 12 trooping all the way up here on our own. But as I look in there now, as an adult man of you know, some years standing, they don't look as bad as I remember them. Um, maybe people that live on the estate here would tell me differently, but it looks quite, um, you know, I remember there was like a an end of the world style fire, I think the kids had set fire to a bonfire in the middle of the estate one time I came up there, we went walking through the estate in search of chips, there's a chip shop over on the other side, I don't know if that's still there Cotter'sbrook Street, I remember mean. and there was like a, a feral kind of post-nuclear style group of youth in, the, in a car park setting fire to things, I think there might have been an old car in there, bonfire piled around it and you had this sense that you're at the... Uh, something like that, the Warriors movie. I don't know if ever seen that film from the 70s or was it the 80s. Um, you had that sense of um, post-apocalyptic anarchy when you walk through it. It don't look so bad now. There's a lot of letting signs up. Let, managed by easy let. Housing, guaranteed rent. Quite a few of those knocking around here. So, as ever, money wins, dear listeners. In the end... <laughs> for better, probably for better actually, because it doesn't look quite as bad as I remembered it being. It's the first time I've done this walk in many, many, many years. It looks a lot more pleasant and a lot more green and uh, a lot more civilized. The quality of the cars look a bit better. Money beats everything in the end. It's a sad truth. Achtung, and so we approach the iconic junction of Cold Blow Lane and Sanford Street. And the first thing that's my eyes falling upon, I didn't know we had this, is uh, a road sign on the um, lamppost. Stadium car park. Is there a stadium car park? As they mean, the den itself. I don't know. I don't know of any other car park um, operations. You know, park your car for a fire like you see when you go up north. Stadium car park. Maybe someone can enlighten me on what that is. But here we are anyway. don't matter what that is, really. It's um, Sanford Street and Coldblow Lane. And I'm going to turn left now into the iconic view under the railway arches. Um, I'm going to pause a moment because um, it's changed a lot since the old days, as everything has. And it looks like it's been made well safer. You've got the old red, and yellow, black and yellow uh, 3.5 metre high sign across the top there. I think there was a lot of work done on this, this railway bridge here because it, it always had kind of like a dank damp, I think it was someone wrote once, it was compared with Jack the Ripper, you could imagine someone lurking, but as it is, it's still fairly remote In that it gives you an immediate sense you come off of, you know, uh, quite a large estate, a lot of residential dwellings behind us and suddenly you lurched into this kind of very mill wall fenced a few cars, oh there's the old famous um, Muriel with Margaret Thatcher, Michael Heseltine I think that's Gorbachev in there and ronald reagan riding cruise missiles we've got two british cruise missiles to one american and one soviet union cruise missile flying along with all these political leaders and flying around in opposite orbit is a, a cnd sign a baby like that the old 2001 baby above the earth that's probably about to die screaming um what a great classic mural that is it all looks very <laughs> it looks slightly naive in retrospect but there we are uh, Margaret Thatcher with a Union Jack Michael Heswood probably hated her guts I think that's Gorbachev and uh, Ronald Reagan done up like Tarzan riding cruise missiles anyway I di- digress so I'm now walking along the legendary Cold Blow Lane railway tunnel the road under the arches looks like the roof has been done that looks fairly new compared with the old days there's a looks like someone sleeps rough on the side. There's a pile of clothes and stuff you might keep on. it is one thing you will say is it's dry underneath in there. It used to be very damp. The lighting along here is now kind of a white lighting. It used to be uh, like a, an orange kind of glow. And it was always, even on the hottest days, on the warmest days, it would seem dark, dank, and there would be stuff, uh, water dripping. Always was the sense of a drip as you walked along this road. Tiled walls, not as much graffiti along here as there used to be. No decent graffiti. You can report that much to your dear listeners. There's always something witty along. I remember there's once a um, like a graffitied cash point halfway along here, saying "Put your enter your number here" or something. That's all gone. I think the Stasi of Lewisham Council must have cleaned it all up, or erased it anyway. It's not cleaned by any stretch, but it's certainly been erased. So we're walking out of the first stretch of tunnel, probably about. 50 yards long, I suppose, of tunnel under railway lines. No trains rumbled over in my, my recording period, so uh, you have to take my word. That's where we are. We're coming out into the lights. Ah, the beauty, and the pavement runs out on the left-hand side, and you've got this old. I don't want it. It's not a scrapyard. It's just a few like uh, recycling um, paladins through a fenced area here. Weeds, puddles, mud. It's Millwall. This is Millwall. If you want to know what Millwall means to me, it's this walk. This kind of like the like the world has finished and you're living in the ruins of London after some, you know, disaster of some sort. Now all the graffiti's gone. We're walking up now under the second railway arch, no decent graffiti. It's a shame. There's an R. Welling and Son scrap Iron still. I don't know if he's still here, he was always a um, a feature of the walk. with uh, used to have a old brick wall protecting his scrapyard and he had glass walking under a single file railway bridge now. You can almost hear how my voice has dropped. Do you notice that? Walking under the single-fold dark, no light in here. Wellings used to have um, brick wall with glass set in the, in the um, top of the wall to stop people climbing in. I'm just walking past. I don't think it still is Wellings. There's a sign for it back there. Let's have a look. Well, it looks like the glass has been overtaken by moss or moot. No, there's still bits of shard in there. I can still see shards of glass set in the wall. There's a big high fence above it. One of the most amusing things as I'm standing here on Cold Blow is uh, on the way home, when when the game is finished, you come pouring, you know, the crowd of, well, it could be anything good. It could be... Three or 4,000 up to about six, seven or 8,000 anyway thousands of people would pour out suddenly at full time and funnel back down Cold Blow Lane the way that we've just come and as I look back along it, you know, it well, the thing that struck me is any car trying to drive along this because it's, it's an open traffic road like, narrows in a couple of spots down to single file Um, you would suddenly find yourself launched into thousands of Millwall fans who were not going to get out of your way, and there was no way through. If you got Larry, one or two used to get a bit, you know, a bit lippy about wanting people to get out of their way. Well, let's just put it that... um you know, retribution would follow if, um, if you get what I mean. So yeah, w- w- the walk back was as entertaining, often as the walk to f- to the uh, the ground. So going home time traffic was always amusing. If anyone did try and chance I'm coming along Cold Blow Lane after about four fifty on a Saturday afternoon when the lines were at home. Achtung, Mehlball. But We're walking now along cold blown when it comes to the junction with Mercury Way we see the red brick buildings that Bellway put up in the, uh, in the uh, 80s and 90s that funded the building of the new den not that I'm knocking the new den dear listener but this is, this is the moment where you suddenly realise that the journey you've just done ends in a housing estate now rather than the scene of so many wonderful, wonderful games and disastrous games and highs and lows. And now here I am on the corner of Mercury Way walking along Cold Blow Lane itself. Achtung, Mehlball! The um, estate built by Bellways is, is getting that kind of um, you know, it's, was it 30 years old now, isn't it? It's got that 30 year old look about it. It was red brick brand new, but bit Brookside-ish. Anyone that remembers Brookside? <coughs> that kind of um, spanking new look for a long while well, it's lost that I can tell you that much the thing that always annoyed me if I'm going to be honest also is when you see what other clubs did when they demolished their old stadium they named things like blocks of flats and roads after old players great events marked the spot of the you know the centre spot the penalty spot all that kind of thing and this is all just nothing. It's Barkwith House, whoever Barkwith is. Probably all got off-the-shelf names that the developer used at the time. Might have been um, people that worked on the site, I don't know. But it seemed a shame um, an area that's now totally changed. You would never, ever know that Millwall Football Club was once here. The Den, Cold Lane, SE14. And I'm just walking up now to the junction with... John Williams' close, where we have the plaque. I'm going to end this little piece here at the plaque. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing apart from the plaque we put in in 2010. That was um, I helped put that together with Lewisham Council back when we were on speaking terms with them. And um, here is the plaque on this site. Stood the Den, legendary home of Millwall Football Club from 1910 to 1993, and. Yes, it was. John Williams close. Who's John Williams? Bannister House. Who's Bannister? No-one knows. There, there is no Cripps. There is no kitchen. No, there is no... Uh, there's no, nothing, no Benny Fenton, no nothing here. Um, it's a shame. But there we are, all long gone. And along here would have been roughly, I think, where the gates were, where the famous image of Harry Cripps looking through the gates, The what passed through the club offices behind him. And this would have been roughly, I suppose, where the... The seats would have run down the side of one, you know, the, the the left-hand side of the pitch, as you look from this end at least, and the halfway line would have been opposite behind those, those flats there that you can't see. Um, it's a shame. It's just that, you know, it's nice enough around here. It's, it's not great. It's not brilliant. It's not the worst you'll ever see. John Williams' close ends our little journey. That was my iconic walk that I did for 1972, probably till about the late 80s, one well, one the other when I got moved when I moved out various places. We we'll, won't we'll get into that, that's a very different kind of podcast. And um, I hope you've enjoyed this. I don't know if you do if it if it's is stiff, please do let me know. So I've been toying with doing this for ages. And I don't know if it will work, you know, will it, will it be good, would it be bad, would it be awful? Please do tell me. I'm interested. Um, if you liked it, I'll do another one somewhere else. I don't know if I'll do it in quite the same, uh, quite the same way about the, not the same subject. But um, if you hated it, tell me too. Um, so I do appreciate a bit of honest feedback. So there we are. That's your walk with Nick. Uh, new Cross Station, Coal Blow Lane. Arrivederci, Millwall. Thank you for listening. Oh, ho, oh, Z! That's home to me. I'm longing for a moment when I shall see the happy, laughing, razor-slashed faces of the people I love. You've been listening to Octune Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. And how I miss the smell of the gasworks and the people I love. I've so many childhood memories of that quaint old fashioned town. There was a quaint old fashioned schoolhouse till the school kids burned it down. I'm off to (laughs) Bermondsey.